Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green and your host. Hey everyone, Jason here. You are all in for a treat as one of my favorite people in the world, a frequent guest on this podcast, my personal doctor who I love, who is family, who is a leader in the field of functional medicine, uh, New York Times bestselling author, and he's got a new book, which I love, and you're all going to have to pick up, The New Rules of Aging Well, Dr. Frank Lippman, the one and only Dr. Frank. Welcome back. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to speak to you and see you, even though I'm you know, not seeing you live. I, I miss you. Um, I miss not seeing you and your lovely family. Uh, well, you're, you are so sweet. Um, we miss you, too. Um, but I love that your wisdom is carried on and through in your new book, which I do love. And I think it is timely. So many of the messages are timely in the context of the COVID reality we're all trying to navigate through. And, and that's where I'm going to start. Um, what, what I love about your approach, it's holistic, it's nuanced. And, you know, one of the things you start out saying in the book, you talk about the power of emotional connection, real world connection. And, and you say, you talk about growing your tribe. And, and I quote you, don't wait for life transitions, prioritize socializing right now. And of course, the elephant in the room is in a time of social distancing. And we're trying to navigate through that and take precautions and more people are getting out there outside here in New York, which is amazing to see, you know, what does this look like in a COVID world? And is, is, is cultivating our virtual connection the, the same as a, a real world connection in the physical sense? I'm curious what your take is there. Right. Now, I, I would say it's not the same, but I think it's a very powerful medium to create social connections. Um, so ideally, you want to be in person, although it is more difficult, although it's getting easier now. I mean, I think in-person connection is, is obviously the best. But if you can't do that, I think, you know, the, you know these, the, these connections we're having via the Internet are actually quite powerful and, and, and important. You know, creating, you know, getting a community around, uh, you know, what's important in your life. You know, I see it with my daughter who had a baby six months ago and how important her mommy's group online is her facebook mommy's group is how great it is and um you know just to hear from people who are going through the same thing as you that you can relate to so i think the social connections you make online can be incredibly helpful and important so i'm definitely not saying those aren't important um ultimately in you know in-person connections are probably better but i i do think you know we need to take advantage of Facebook groups and, and creating community online. I think it's powerful and important. 100% agreed. And, you know, there was that CDC uh, data that came out a couple of weeks ago, which is beyond scary, where I think it said almost a quarter of 18 to 24 year olds strongly considered suicide and 16% yeah. of 25 to 44, uh, 25 to 44 year olds. So it just we, we desperately need connection. Yeah. Yeah. So something I swear by intermittent fasting, it works great for me, but I also understand, you know, look, I, I, as we all know, Frank, you see my blood work. I'm a unique, I'm a unique animal. I'm six foot seven. I got 
lots of things going on with me, but fasting works for me, but it doesn't work for everyone. And something you talk about in the book, you know, there are other ways to achieve kind of the benefits, uh, hot, cold showers, bursts of physical activity. So like talk about alternatives to fasting. Sure. So um, there's this concept called hormesis, which is that a little bit of stress is actually really good for you. So chronic stress, which most of us are under at the moment with COVID and just life in general, not good for your health. But these little short bursts of stress, you know, hormesis actually stimulates changes in your body that are actually really good for stimulating your longevity genes or, or promoting healthy aging. And fasting is one way because you're stressing your body by not eating. Um, temperature extremes are another way, either going from a sauna to a cold plunge or just a sauna or a cold shower after a, uh, after a hot shower. That, that acute stress, short-term stress is good for your body. High intensity um, or short bursts of, of sprints or high intensity training all of them um, create these positive changes in your body, which are really good for aging. And, um, you know, most cultures have done that without even realizing it for years, whether it's fasting and feasting, you know, jumping into a cold river, um, you know, whatever it is. But so uh, this idea of these acute short, short-term stresses affecting long-term uh, positive effects on your body so if you can't fast i think most people can fast but there are some people who can't fast i think intermittent fasting is probably the easiest thing to do and what my experience has been with patients is you get used to it you try it for one night and you go from 12 hours to 14 hours to 16 hours and then you maybe do two nights a week then maybe three nights a week most people can do it i mean i'm not suggesting people younger than 40, especially women menstruating, may have a problem with it. But most of us can actually do it and just sort of prolong your time between dinner and, 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 and break fast, when breakfast, when you break your fast. So, um, but, you know, as you point out, that's not the only way to actually create these or to stimulate, you know, what, you know what whether it's autophagy which is self-cleansing mechanisms or these other mechanisms in your body that are positive for longevity can, can you talk about autophagy for a moment I, something i'm excited about and i think a lot of our listeners are yeah so autophagy is just a self-cleansing mechanism in your body and you know it's your body's own garbage um just you know pick up and disposal and and all in one you know, the fact that your body actually has these mechanisms is really interesting. But if you're eating all the time, then your body's, you know, then the garbage collection doesn't sort of kick in. Where if you're not eating, and it usually starts kicking in after 14, especially 16 hours of not eating. So, um, you know, the other ways of, 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 of stimulating the, the, or of the autophagy, and it's sort of what we were talking about earlier, all sort of fits, you know, is it all the same process? Now, I'm sure it's much more complicated, but anything that, you know, is, is, uh, has a positive effect or stimulates your body's cleansing mechanisms is a good thing. And eat, eating less is just another, you know, I think as we get older, you know, I eat two meals a day now. 
and I'm totally fine with that. You know, I, I eat, you know, I have a shake or whatever, a big breakfast around 11 or 12, and then I don't eat again for five or six. And, and, and the more you do it, you, you realize you're eating less and you, you, you're letting your body start, you know, fast for, for longer periods. So it actually becomes easier. It's interesting. You know, the more you do it, the easier it becomes, just becomes another habit. So also in the context of COVID, there's been a lot of exciting research and science around vitamin D. And I think something yeah. you do so well in the book is you have it's filled with tons of recommendations for herbs and supplements, and you talk about vitamin D. And I'm curious, like, what's your perspective on, you know, how much should should we take? You know, Chris Kresser has gone as far as says like you could go you could go as high as I think eight or ten thousand IU's a day. Some people say that may be too much. Like, what's your take? And then how do we know? Like, is there a way to spot check without having to do a lab? You know, what are my, my vitamin D levels? So what are your recommendations there? Well, I think you, you should get your vitamin D levels checked. But I, if you don't, can't get it checked, I think 5,000 is a perfectly valid place to start. And I agree with Chris that, you know, most people take, you know, I take 10,000 a day just to make, keep my vitamin D up. So I don't think, um, you know, it's hard to get, to, although it is a fat-soluble vitamin and, you know, you, you theoretically can get toxic, you know, because it's, it's you know, it's, you don't just pee it out. But it's very unusual because most people are so deficient. What I found interesting with COVID, and there are more and more studies showing how, you know, effective it is. And a recent study showing it, that actually in, in ICU, people who had higher vitamin D levels had better outcomes in, in, in ICU. And actually what I've done with a few patients not that many, but my own personal research has shown that when people have called me to say they think they have COVID, I've told them, you know, to take, uh, you know, extremely high doses, like 100,000 um, units day one and 50,000 units day two and three. And I've seen people actually get better with that. So wow. high-dose high vitamin D acutely can actually, I've seen it with a few people, um, you know, turn people around with acute COVID. So vitamin D is a very, very interesting nutrient. And it's actually not a vitamin. It's a hormone or a pre-hormone. It has hormone-like effects. So I'm a huge fan. I've always been a huge fan of vitamin D. I'm even more of a huge fan now um, with, with COVID and immunity. And what's interesting, you know, what I've found with, you know, doing a lot of the research for the book Immunity and longevity sort of go together because as you get older, your, your immune system isn't as efficient. So you, your needs for something like vitamin D probably increase anyway. So there's some obvious overlap between immunity and aging. Um, and what you do to help aging actually helps your immunity too. So something else that's, you know, on my mind in COVID is, you know, the the microbiome as it pertains to skin. So, you know, we, we, we all get the gut microbiome. We take our probiotics, we, you know, our veggies, our lentils, our, our good bugs, what have you. But then I think about, you know, we're living in a sanitized world and that's just the world yeah. we, we have to live in. It's the cost of living, cost of doing business, if you will. And, but I think about the skin microbiome and what's going to happen there. Like, what's your take on the skin biome and this, what, what in general, when, 
what's what's happening there? Well, I think that's a great question because you know we're all obsessed with the gut microbiome, which may be the most important microbiome of all. But you have a microbiome of your skin, you have it in your mouth, your armpits, in your lungs. A lot of people were thinking that you know COVID nineteen was worth was worse when people's lung microbiome was off. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but your skin microbiome is an important, you know, it's a protective mechanism. And as you point out, with everyone using these strong um, cleansers uh, and antimicrobial, um, which I can understand, everyone's scared. I, I have no doubt it's affecting our skin microbiome. Um, so just use it on your hands if you're worried. I don't think you need to use it everywhere else on your skin. But I think the skin microbiome probably is much more important um, and has a much more important role than we are aware of. I have no doubt about that. We're just learning about it now. And the mouth microbiome is another important area. So you're going to my next question. So oral disease, the mouth microbiome, you know, not not at the forefront right now. Like I think people don't think about that. But, you know, as I think about our world too, it's, you know, People will. People tend not to go to holistic tennis. <laughs> people kind of throw a holistic approach out the door somewhat when it comes out to dentistry. But like, let's talk about that. About everything from toothpaste and mouthwash to the link from you know oral disease to heart disease. Yeah, there's no question. There's tons of research connecting oral disease and heart disease. So there's no even in traditional medicine. But you know, the the mouth. Is, is sort of that entrance into your whole digestive system. So I think that the oral microbiome is really important. And a lot of the mouthwashes and toothpaste that we're using um, is probably not the best thing for your, for your oral microbiome, which I think is a crucial microbiome. Um, so I think we've got a lot of things wrong. You know, it's definitely not an area that I know enough about except to say, you know, mouth health and taking care of your, or your, your oral microbiome is important. And I would guess, um, but I don't know enough, that there, there will be oral uh, probiotics or probiotics for the mouth. Because once we sort of know that, you know, you can, I'm sure, create probiotics for the mouth that are important. And I think a lot of the mouthwash and toothpaste that people use are probably destroying a lot of that healthy bacteria because as in the gut microbiome, you, we all have these healthy bacteria that are protecting you. And if you're going to kill them off, you're going to get overgrowth of, of bad bacteria, which, which probably, you know, lead to the inflammation and then to the heart disease and other problems. Yeah. So we talked about mouthwash and a lot of people take mouthwash because they have bad breath and there's something people are talking about online and it's called mask mouth where people are having bad breath because of wearing masks and you know you have to have to do this in, in, in the era we live in. So what, what's your, <laughs> I'm curious what your take is on that. Well, well my take is I do think masks are important when you're in certain situations. Um, whether you get mask mouth or not, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Uh, I would imagine um, it's probably less important than, than rinsing your mouth w w with mouthwash and, you know, 
cleaning your teeth with with um, toothpaste that may kill the bacteria. So I, I would guess that's not top of my list. That's affecting your <laughs> microbiome, but it could. I mean, I, I mean, I would imagine it could. I think you know, if someone has bad breath, it's usually not from the mouth. The bad breath is usually a gut problem. Right. So try and work out why you have bad breath rather than just, you know, that's that Band-Aid metaphor that I always use. You know, you don't just put a driving your car and the oil light goes on. You don't just put a Band-Aid over the oil light. You see why the oil light's going on. So bad breath can be a function of a mouth issue. You've got to check that out. But it's often a function of a gut it's often a result of a gut issue. So um, mouthwash is definitely not something that I recommend. So, you know, we're all working from home, or at least so many people are working from home right now. And you're also a huge believer of constant movement and not sitting for too long or not also yeah. not standing for too long. So what does this look like? while people are working from home and trying to set up their workstations like what do you what do you recommend well move your body as much as possible so you know you can do some of your calls while you're walking around some of your calls sitting but you know the, it's these micro movements that are are really important so you know people what i find interesting you know people are not going to gyms as much and i do think gyms i wouldn't say are a thing of the past but there'll be a new gym type of movement developing. There'll be a new type of gym, which may include some biohacking stuff, who knows what, but I don't think, I think the old gyms are not going to function um, like they used to before. So you, you know, you create your own gym at home, you know, in this day and age with Pelotons and all these things that you can do at home, it becomes easier, but more important than having to get a Peloton or um, creating a gym at home is just moving your body as much as you can throughout the day and, and not sit, you know, if you're going to sit, sit for an hour or, or one and a half hours, maybe two hours, then get up and move your body. Um, there's so much you can do at home to, to, to move your body. There's so many exercises, you know, we have this great physical therapist here who's like getting me back into doing basic movements that I used to, that I've just taken for granted, you know, whether it's squatting or, the basic movements that we forget about, that we, you know, we think we have to do, you know, these sophisticated movements. And, you know, if you look at yoga, a lot of it is basic movements. So I think getting back to the basics and moving your body as much as possible throughout the day is probably more important than going to the gym for an hour anyway. Yeah, it, it, you know, I'm such a big believer in that. I, you know, my routines went out the window with our two little girls and micro movements is how I live, whether it's, you know, I can't sit still, I take the stairs, I do a call walking, I do yoga for five minutes, I got kettlebells, like I never sit and do a proper workout for 20 minutes or a half hour, it never happens, but, but I, I but do that, five minutes, 10 minutes. But that's, I think, actually better. You know what ha happened to me? What, when I realized how bad this was is, you know, with my new grandson, when he's on the floor and I'm sitting with him on the floor and I have to pick him up and, I, you know, I, I was struggling. Simple, basic movements. I couldn't, like, you know, comfortably feel good about just picking him up and off the floor, which is a little bit scary. You know, yes, I'm 66 years old. But so, you know, I spoke to the physical therapist. So I'm starting to do simple Exercise, and I think kettlebells, just something like that is, is, you know, these are really important movements, those basic movements 
that we forget about. We go to the gym and we do, you know, we, we, we use these muscles that we're not using on a day-to-day -day They're not functional. not as important, huh? Yeah, they're not functional. It's got to have functions. Yeah, so Our bodies need to function. Exactly. So the functional movements I've become more obsessed with because I've realized that I, I haven't been doing basic stuff and now it's it's important. I mean, I, you know, it's a bit sad, you, you know, getting up from the floor, picking up your baby and you have to like think about it. It's not as, <laughs> so, uh, so I think like kettlebell is one of those things, he's, you know, one of those basic movements to strengthen these muscles that we don't use enough or, you know, we don't, especially in the gym. So yes, I'm all for that functional movement and, and what you're doing with your kids is probably more important than going to the gym, yeah. So we're talking about aging here and something I think is really fascinating in the book, you talk about protein and that as our bodies age, we change and we go from production mode to preservation mode around age 45, which is my age. So I am very interested in this. So can you explain what you mean by sure. this, going from production to preservation? Right. So when you're young and your 20s and 30s, you're still producing kids and you, you, you're in a different phase of your life. You want to be strong. You want a lot of animal protein, for instance, which is good to grow and to produce. But once you start getting into your 40s and especially around 50, you don't want to grow anymore because you can grow cancer cells. And you know me, I've always been a big proponent of a paleo lifestyle and eating lots of animal protein and you know, to help me with my prediabetes. But now we know from research that too much animal protein, because of the type of amino acids it has, um, the branched chain amino acids, especially the leucine and the thionine is another one, the, 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 the amino acid composition of, of, of um, animal protein actually stimulates this mTOR longevity enzyme or longevity gene, this mechanistic target of rapamycin, which is actually, you don't want to stimulate that if you want to age well. You actually want to inhibit that. So once you get to 45, 50, and as much as I have to admit, I never, you know, I was always having these arguments with the Joel Kahn's of this world and Rich Rolls. Um, but I've cut back on my animal protein. I don't think you have to stop animal protein, but I think you need to switch more from animal protein to more plant protein. So I eat much less. I, don't, I still eat animal protein, but I have a, you know, a, a vegan shake or you know, a vegetable pea protein shake. I, I've switched some of my animal protein to plant protein because plant protein doesn't stimulate this mTOR, this longevity gene or enzyme as much. So I think it, it's a good idea for most of us as we get older to switch some of that animal protein. And I'm not saying you shouldn't eat it at all. I'm not coming from that place. But I'm saying you should cut back a little bit and switch more to plant protein because plant protein doesn't stimulate or doesn't have that negative effect on aging that animal protein does. So... Two questions. One, you know, how much is, if you're saying don't go to zero for most people for animal protein, like, are you talking about, you know, once a week, once a month, once a quarter? Uh, right. What, what does that so, look like for you? So I think what's important is most people probably get enough protein anyway, especially between 20 and 45 or 50. Protein is usually not 
that necessarily, unless you want to lose weight, I think increasing your protein and decreasing your carbs and even fats can be helpful. So that could be indicated. But once you get to your 60s, it's important that you don't want to lose muscle mass um, as you get older. So your protein needs increase. And if you're going to increase your protein at, in your 60s in particular, I would increase by using a vegetable protein, like a vegetable shake so, or, or nuts or, or even beans. But no, so, so it changes. Your, my, my protein needs are a little bit higher than yours probably because I don't want to lose a muscle mass. Well, I don't want to lose my muscle mass either. Come on. No, but you probably don't worry <laughs> too much in your 40s. I think with 50s and 60s for sure, your protein needs probably increase. So what are your favorite? How much, so how much can you take? So Your I'm favorite plant a, sources, favorite plant sources of protein. Well, to me, a pea protein shake, because I have that almost every day, is is great. I'm, I'm always wary of too many beans, although I have more beans now because of my blood sugar. Nuts, you know, but you know, seeds are all good. Um, I'm all for, for those sources. Tempeh, um, organic tempeh, I prefer that to tofu because it's fermented. So those are the sources that I, I, I recommend. But the easiest way is to just get a hemp protein shake or a pea right. protein shake. What, what I do, and I think this is okay, I don't, as you know, I don't really eat much meat anymore. Um, right. I, I do our grass-fed collagen. It, oh, I just, okay, so collagen is the one animal protein, but you can, does not have those amino acids. So that actually... A good protein. If you if you need if you're worried about animal protein, um, collagen animal collagen protein is actually a really great source of protein. So yes, good. that's what I do. I do ours. Protein. I do our organic grass fed collagen with well, all those great but ingredients. That's, a, <laughs> so that's great. So that's actually a great source of of good protein that's not going to have that negative effect on your longevity gene. So that's actually a really good way of getting your protein, yes. Good, well, as you so know, a, we, we worked on that with our dear, fr dear friend, Bob Roundtree. Yes, so, so Bob knows <laughs> a lot about longevity. So yes, I think that's a, thank you for reminding me. I think that's a great option. I use, I put collagen as well into to my shake, yeah. So, okay, so we covered protein. So another controversy, or I don't know if it's controversial anymore, but maybe there are a lot of misconceptions about it, salt. And you know, salt has this negative connotation, but you say it's nonsense that salt is bad for your heart. As with everything you put on, put in or on your body, it's about the source and the quality. So please elaborate. Right. Well, I think too many people are getting too much salt because they're eating processed foods. That's where most of your salt is. There's just salt on all that ultra-processed crap, which is probably <laughs> the worst thing you can do for your health, for your immunity too. I think the, the, the negative outcomes we've seen here in America in particular and England is, you know, that because of the obesity, you have these two epidemics going on at the same time, the obesity epidemic and um, the COVID epidemic and the the obesity epidemic is basically driven by ultra-processed ultra foods. And these processed foods are usually full of salt. But if you're not eating that processed food, having some Himalayan salt is not bad. You know, there are 80 minerals in there. I don't think it's bad at all. So I have no problem 
You know, I'm prone to high blood pressure, for instance. Um, if I don't, you know, when I was pre-diabetic, my blood pressure was a little bit high, but now it's not. And I eat lots of Himalayan salt. You know, I'm pretty liberal with with my sea salt and Himalayan salt that I put on my food. So I don't think salt is an issue. I think table salt's not particularly good for you. Why even bother? Right. If you're going to use salt, use decent salt, sea salt and Himalayan Himalayan salt, um, Redmond salt, all good. But if if you just your salt intake is usually, you know, too great because of all the processed foods. If you eliminate that, you're not going to have salt becomes a non-issue. See, so you mentioned processed foods, and we talked about salt. I'm curious, you know, where are you on all the vegetable and seed oils these days? Well, vegetable oils are probably as bad for you as sugar. So I think, yeah, um, canola oil is crap. Canola yeah. oil is like any other vegetable oil. You know, people think, you know, there's a great marketing ploy calling them vegetable oils because there's no vegetables and there's no vegetable benefit from vegetable oils. They're actually industrialized seed oils. There's no, there's no, they don't come from vegetables and they've been processed in with harsh chemicals um, and then they're heated, which then releases other inflammatory chemicals so you know vegetable oils are bad news especially for cooking so i think that's a major source of um well canola oil is is yeah rapeseed you gotta look out for it it's disguised as rapeseed oil and it's also yeah yeah and i'm not sure where it got the rep as being healthy in the health food world well once you start low in saturated fat well also so yeah. sorry, go. Ahead. I was going to say what it's also interesting because once you start, we had Kate Shanahan on the podcast, and she like loves she to hate them. the oils. And yeah. once you really start looking for them, they're like everywhere. Exactly in processed foods. Yep. Yeah, and and in restaurants when you go eat. So if you go out eating, get your food grilled or or you know not cooked in these oils because it's very unusual that a restaurant will use the healthier cooking oils which would be extra virgin olive oil coconut oil avocado oil you know even people will say well extra virgin olive oil even when you heat it it's got a hasn't got a high heat point but i think you know my understanding is the other ingredients in the olive oil that balance out the inflammatory particles that get created by high heat so you know, we use extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil and coconut oil or butter, some, you know, sometimes butter too. So I think we've misunderstood fats. It's not the saturation of fats that necessarily is a problem. It's more the oxidation of fats, is what, which what happens when you heat them. Got it. So we're, we're going to segue. We're moving down the body. We started, you know, at the mouth and, and now we're going all the way down to the feet. And one of the things, another thing I think is, is so interesting in the book, you talk about healthy aging and something that has, it's a factor for healthy aging is regular foot care. Why, why is taking care of your feet so important for longevity? Well, I think um, we ignore our feet and we put them in these shoes which are generally uncomfortable and not particularly good for our feet. Um, so I think walking barefoot, just using some of the muscles that you probably don't use 
normally in your feet is a good idea. But you're on your feet all day. I think, you know, what happens, you, you're probably not there yet, uh, <clears throat> Jason. But what happens when you get older is all these little things, you know, whether it's little aches or when things aren't functioning properly, your body compensates. So if you're not, if you're in, in shoes all day um, and certain foot muscles are not working properly, then there's extra load on your calf or, or, or some other muscles or your hip muscles. So I think optimizing the functioning of all your muscles is really important. And this is what happens when you're sitting all day or you're walking in shoes all day. Either your hips tighten, your hips if you're sitting all day. I know from, you know, from me, because if I'm riding or sitting too much, um, and I, now I'm realizing that my hip muscles, I need to learn, relearn to fire my glutes because they're used to just sitting all day and they don't fire enough. And if they're not firing enough, they put more load on your back or other muscles. And it's the same thing with your feet. I think it's really important to take care of your feet. And, and a good example is um, uh, using a tennis ball to roll out the tightness in your feet, the fascia in your feet. And I learned that many years ago at Rancho La Puerta. I used to go and teach at Rancho La Puerta, this spa sure. in Mexico. And, and one of the things that was always taught in the beginning when they started a class, they would roll out your feet with a tennis ball and you'd do one foot first and you'd see the difference. And you'd do both, you know, you'd stretch first down to your toes and see how far you got. Then you'd roll out your feet and then you'd stretch out and see, and you'd go much further. And that's because the fascia, you know, your fascia is connected from your feet to, to, to your head. It's one system. And rolling out your foot fascia and the fascia in your feet actually affects your whole body. So, uh, you know, your feet are one of those areas that, you know, you ignore. And, um, you know, once again, once you get older, you know, you, you start realizing how important all these areas are. And, you know, one thing we do need to talk about is a sense of humor as you're aging because <laughs> certain things just happen. You can't be perfect as you age. And you just got to laugh about it. You know, you've got to have a sense of humor about, you know, not being able to do some of the things you can do, you know, so, you know, you can, you know, so I use the example of lifting my grandson and struggling, you know, so I can laugh about it, but I might as well start doing something about it before I'm going to cry about it. But you've got to, you can't, you, you still have to have a sense of humor about all these things that are going to happen as you get older. But the more you can optimize Functioning of all parts of your body, including your feet, is, is, is just so important. Well, my feet are good. I feel good. Although, for some reason, I've always had warts come and go on my feet. So maybe that's a dermatologist question, but I don't know what Chinese medicine would say. Yeah, that's yeah I'm not sure about that. But I think, you know, walking barefoot, <laughs> walking barefoot on the beach or in, on the grass, I think is important. I think learning to, to, to stretch out that fascia and use these muscles of your feet that get constricted by tight shoes is, is important. So my last question for you, you know, what, what, what's next? Like, where do you think we're going from here? What's interesting science research? Like, what do you think we're going to be talking about in, in 21 and beyond, hopefully beyond COVID, but what's, what's your take on what's interesting, well, exciting in the functional medicine space? Well, to me, what's always interesting is 
this mixture of sort of ancient wisdom and new technology and this the whole biohacking world where people are getting obsessed with measuring everything but they're starting to measure important things like sleep and meditation so i like that i like this idea where you can actually monitor these things you know continuous blood glucose monitoring i think is really interesting you know i need to get one myself but what i'm finding with my patients is um, we're realizing that the same protein shake on one person you know can stimulate a, 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 a high glucose response and uh, response in one person won't in the next so I, I like the idea of monitoring i don't like the idea of getting obsessed about monitoring but i do like the thing this idea of measuring I do think um, people are starting to realize how important sleep is and what happens in our sleep and that we probably don't get enough good deep sleep. And I like the idea of once again, learning to monitor and, 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 and take sleep seriously. So I think sleep is, you know, we've gone through diet, we've gone through exercise, we've gone through sort of meditation, relax, relaxation. I think sleep is that area that, most people are going to have to start taking seriously soon. And, you know, we'll go back to that first question you asked ask me, you know, the tribe, the community, what I love about what you, your mind, body, green, what you've done at mind, body, create, creating community. There's nothing like having a community that you can relate to. I think that is so healing. And that green part of your stupid name, mind, body, green, <laughs> is, is I think we're going to have to realize how how we treat the earth is is you know we are microcosms of the macrocosm. So I think you nailed it with your whole vision right from the beginning about creating a community, which you've done. And you know the, this last part, which if we don't take seriously, we you know going to have more and more COVIDs. You know, we are going to have more pathogens coming out because of factory farming and the way we treat the climate. You know, we're decimating forests and you're going to get more of these viruses coming. So the next, you know, the next um, thing I think will be apart from this personal hygiene of sleep, which I think is, is important, is this community and realizing that we are part of the environment. And if we don't take care of the environment, it's just going to shoot out more pathogens and viruses that we're going to struggle with. So the importance of the environment and how we take care of it is hitting a home in California with all the fires, hitting home for all of us with COVID-19, and there's going to be more COVID-19s. So I think the next thing that we have to really take care of is the environment. 100% agree. Amen. Uh, Frank, thank you so much. We love you and everyone listening. You got to pick up his new book, The New Rules of Aging Well, a simple program for immune resilience, which we all need right now, not going away, immune resilience, strength and vitality. Frank, again, we love you. Congratulations on the book. Amazing again. Thank, thank you. you. And I love you. I love what you're doing. I think it's this is what it's all about. Mind, body, green. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen.